fuck's going on with my bloody Wi-Fi? Fuck's sake, I can't fucking get a decent fucking connection in this fucking house! His name is Craven, he likes white ravens, and he will always use them to reduce your gold. His name is Dave, he cancels saves, he likes to make the opposition have bad days. His name is Tom, he plays for fun, but if you beat him then he'll punch you in the face. It's the UK's Fantastic Podcast This episode's the first, but it could be the last With an opposed to claim banter It's banter behind the throne Hello and welcome back to episode 11 of Banter Behind the ah. Throne I'm Dave and today we're joined by Peel Hello And Whammer Hello. Hello. Oh wait, hang on a minute, that's not me. Yeah. Sorry, Wama. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Craven can't make it today. I, I don't really know why. I assume he's saving the world again. Um, well, I I think for this reason, the reason Craven can't make it this week, I'm going to run with this one. He's stopping uh, He's stopping Justin Bieber entering the country. Single-handedly. Sure. Okay, so I'm, I want to run with that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry this episode's a bit late. We did try to record it without Peel and with Craven. Uh, but we had some recording issues. Uh, I was so saying how Craven for me. Yeah, we a bit of a downgrade. Um, I was going to joke at one point about how we have a live studio audience. Um, this time we actually do. I have two people watching me. One of which is wearing a wrestling mask, and the other has a lampshade on his head. Uh, okay. So wrestling or like eroticism in the background, then that's them and not me. Okay, so this week we're going to talk about the melee at Nationals, because we completely forgot. Uh, we're going to answer some questions, questions from the listeners, uh, because Peer was an idiot and thought we had no schedule for today. Wow. Uh, Turns out we do. Yeah, we've got some stuff to talk about. We can save uh, the questions till next week, because there are about 12. We're doing the questions. Fair enough. We did them last time, we're doing them again. Well, that's what I thought, it was a nice feature. Then we're going to talk about Sethgate, the drama that has rocked the Agot world. Then I'm going to prop a French tourney coming up because Vince asked me to, and then we're going to cover cards beginning with K. Yeah. All right then. Uh, Whamma, last week we discussed nationals, and we kind of skipped over the melee. In the, I'm not sure we even mentioned it at all uh, because we were too busy playing Star Wars. Uh, well, I heard you did well at the melee. Yeah, I I did what you did at the joust, but in the other tournament. Oh, right, okay. So you uh, won with a subpar deck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why are you running Harold? Uh No, I wasn't running. It's restricted in melee. And well, then it... How did you win? <laughs> oh, I won, I won in the most beautiful way that it's possible to win a competitive nationals tournament. But we'll get... So, <laughs> it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, so... First of all, just thoughts on the melee overall. Um, it was a nice little Sunday event. There were 12 of us, um, which obviously isn't a fantastic showing, but given that it clashed with the Star Wars Nationals, and as you might have guessed from all the banter behind the thrones hosts playing Star Wars, it kind of cannibalized into the people that might have played melee a little bit. Mm. Um, so 12 was a good number. It made for tables of four, which was useful. I know Jack Machin uh, could have played but chose not to when he found out that it would make 13 because that's a horrible number to play melee in because it means you've got three tables of three. Um, so thanks to Jack for taking the fall on that one. Um, 
yeah, there was a good range of decks. You know, we had, I think, decks from every house were represented. I saw some that, you know, were like Balls of the Wall Rush, some sort of more mid-game tempo ones. We had Wedges Atrocity, which I'll get to. Um, <laughs> there was just a nice range between all the decks. Um, I played Baratheon Conquest to Stark, um, which basically was Baratheon Conquest to Bran Stark. Because uh, as my sensei when it comes to melee, Vince has taught me, there are only three characters in melee that you have to fear. And they are Bran Stark, uh, Marcella Lannister that changes titles around, and Ilaria, um, the power-stealing one. Um, and so I thought, oh, if we're meant to fear him, maybe I should try running him. And so I just packed my deck with all of the plots that it's nice to be able to cycle into and out of. Um, so like, I had some castle plots, some nice strong wind revealed effects, etc., etc. Um, and then just a smattering of other good start cards um, for the melee environments. Like I had Cat of the Canals because being able to survive Valors is nice. Um, I had the Corset Eddard Stark because he claims a power when he comes into play. And claiming power outside the challenges phase is generally the easiest way to win melee in my experience. <laughs> yep. Um because melee at times can be a bit like Munchkin, where everyone just gets really close to the line and you're just trying to stop everyone else from winning. And winning outside of the challenges phase is kind of like being a, a cleric and having divine intervention played. That's a good analogy. Thank you. Cheers, darling. I just got delivered a beer. That's a good service. Nice. Um, so on that note, I had Eddard, I had uh, Orphaned Recruit, uh, Formal Petition, etc. Um so the format, there were two rounds of Swiss and then a cut to the top four. Um, and the Swiss rounds were actually uh, done through a proper Swiss, um, which shouldn't be the case for Melee. Um, but there was a slight hiccup with the tournament software where it recognized that there were meant to be tables of four. But rather than giving you tables of four, it gave you tables with two people on them and then two blank spaces. Um, right which wasn't the most useful thing in the world. So, uh, yeah, the way it was done was just pairing up the tables. I've got to say, um, we used Tome, didn't we, the new software? Yes. I thought it was pretty good for the Joust. Yeah, yeah, um, no complaints. Yeah, the standings were really, really clear, and they had them on a uh, projector, which is really nice. Yeah, so the you only... could see at the end of each round the standing and then the, the pairings. Um, yeah, very the clear. complaint I have about it for Joust was that after the cut, it re-evaluated everyone's strength of schedule based on the remaining players. So I was seeded seventh because I was seventh after the Swiss, but then I was knocked down to eighth after the cut because the people that I'd beaten weren't in the cut, um, which was slightly oh, right. strange. Um, but yeah. Would I'll... you not have been eighth anyway because Craven was eighth place, but he made top four? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was finishing eighth overall. I just meant it was showing the standing strangely and confused okay. us a bit. But it didn't actually impact anything. Sure. Um, but eighth is just as shit as fifth. So yes, <laughs> that's what I keep telling Bambi. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the melee first round, I was on a table with uh, Kev. I was on a table with Kev, um, who's playing uh, Targ Dothraki Rush. Um, I was then we had the wonderful pairing of Wedge and Fiona who are an item. Um, and basically that made everybody uncomfortable because they couldn't team up because that would have been dickish and against the rules and so on. 
but you did get the feeling that what was happening was going to lead to some awkward conversations later because <laughs> Wedge was playing a Martell Knights of the Hollow Hill I'm going to stop everyone else winning for as long as possible and then use the uh, the attachments that get you power when other people win challenges to win approach. And yep. Fiona was playing Noble Cause, which they didn't mesh up so well. Wedge might have used Burning on the Sands once or twice against Fiona to stop her winning and leave her stuck at 14 pounds. Yeah, well, twice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a very fun table. Um, Everyone was building up power at roughly the same speed. Uh, Fiona went out of the blocks with two rounds of the power of faith. And so the first two turns were basically everybody trying to stop her winning, which we did just about manage to do. Um, Then round three, um, what happened? Round three, Wedge got really close to winning. He'd made a deal with Kev that Kev wouldn't attack him in power. Um, And then... Wedge didn't quite get to the line, but it got to the point where, because of the uh, attachments, if Kev made any challenges against anyone other than Wedge, Wedge won. Right. Um, And so Kev broke the deal not to attack Wedge in power challenges, um, which basically guaranteed that Wedge wasn't going to win. And so at that point, I jumped in and said to Wedge, if I defend this for you so that Kev doesn't overtake you in the standings, do you promise not to use Orphan of the Green Blood on my Brienne? And Wedge understandably accepted that and gave me the chance to just do a power challenge with Brienne and some renowned characters and win without any troubles. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's good. You know, it's not, not collusion, but you're just like, I can't win this. Someone is going to win. I need to get as many points as possible. Uh, yeah. Every, everyone did the thing that was in their best interests to do. Yeah. And, like, you know, Kev didn't have any hard feelings about us, uh, you know, about Wedge not using the orphan. Wedge didn't have any hard feelings about Kev not going through the deal because he accepted that it wouldn't have, you know, Kev would have been giving Wedge the win at no advantage to himself. Um, And, yeah, it just played out, you know, as it felt like it should do. Mm -hmm. Um, So then the next round, oh, meanwhile in round one, um, uh, Ryan Wood, who was not Ryan Kelly, um, yes, that's an errata to the last episode. Uh, Peel and I both played against Ryan Kelly, not Ryan Wood, um, and James pointed that out. We apologise for the confusion. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty sure I said Ryan Kelly when I did one because I uh, there is there is audio uh, when evidence they, when they said Ryan, when I read it on the board, I turned around and just went, oh yeah, okay. Um, well, apparently you didn't. Oh, so, uh, apologies. Sorry. To be, fair to, you, to be fair to you, I think you said Ryan. Um, and then it got filled in as being uh, Wood because, like, Dave or Craven just assumed that you'd played Ryan Wood when it had actually been Ryan Kelly. No, it was yeah. um, me and Dave both played Ryan Kelly. Um, yeah. So apologies yeah. about that. Yeah, but he can't be too sad. And he hasn't mentioned it to us because, obviously, we did beat him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was probably quite glad that it was going in the direct <laughs> and taking the flag for it. But Ryan Wood hasn't mentioned it, which means he hasn't been listening. Oh, he just likes rude. to hear his name. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, carry on. Tell us about Ryan Wood. So yeah, uh, and how he wins games. Yes. <laughs> he does win games. Yes, and he did win in the first round of the melee. He was also playing noble cause. Um and I wasn't at his table. Uh I believe he was on a table with Becky Tagore and someone else. Apologies to the someone else. I don't know who it was. Um and he was obviously going to win 
Um, or Tagore would have won if it got to epic battles. Um, <laughs> but it, uh, Ryan attacked Becky, and Becky at the time Ryan attacked was in second, and um, knew that if it got to epic battles, Tagore was going to overtake her, and Ryan was obviously still going to be ahead of her, and she was going to drop down to third with less points. So she gave Ryan the win, um, which annoyed Tagore greatly, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, that sounds very satisfying. Yeah. Uh, and on the other table, uh, Vince won, um, because it's melee, and that's what Vince does in melee. Um, <laughs> yeah. He'd had a high septum on the table and reached 13 power, and the others didn't notice the high septum and decided to do a military challenge against him. Um, and so Vince was like, okay. Uh, I'll defend. Uh, I claim High Septon. And they're like, oh, oh yeah. With more French. Yeah, sorry. I claim the High Septon. And <laughs> exactly. That was my flawless <laughs> Vince impression. That was pretty accurate, I think. Yeah. It was, it was flawless. It was like he was in the room with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Vince won that. Um, so, through the uh, strange mess up with the table seedings, it was me, Ryan, Vince, and Fiona. Because um, she got 14 points in second place um, as the table in round two. Um, that game was fascinating because obviously we had two noble cause decks on the table. Um, Vince was playing Greyjoy aloof, um, sort of unopposed rush. Um, and they, both the noble cause players, flooded hard turn one. Fiona again had opened with Power of Faith. Uh, and then Vince played King Balon's Host, who we might mention yeah. again later in the episode. Um, so that, you know... Spoilers. We're not recording out of the order at all. <laughs> spoilers, boys! Spoilers! <laughs> it was going to be so flawless. So flawless. Um, so, yeah, except that... for earlier when... Oh, sorry. No, 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 go for it. No, no, that's fine. Uh, I was going to say earlier, you did put something in the wrong tense, James. Uh, you said that in the future we'll be talking about this. When it actually, in reality... I got a minute. Uh... The questions are coming before the DC segment. No, but the other segment is coming. I... It's just, this is... It's not important. This is why I don't watch Doctor Who. It just fucks me <laughs> I'm his mother, I'm his father, she's my daughter, and he's my son. Oh, that's unfair enough, then. That makes perfect sense. At least you got the genders right. It could have been, been even worse. Yeah. Could have been. Um, so, yeah. he uh, Vince played out King Balon's host, which rather, you know, relieved itself in the Noble Course players' porridges. Um, that slowed them down. Um, I was able to sort of slowly accumulate some power in that sort of general Baratheon-y, Oakenshield porty, unopposed -y kind of way. Mm -hmm. um, and then round three, I believe, or it might have even been round two, everyone was sort of doing the usual melee gearing up to win thing. Um, but it was really obvious that Vince was going to win. Um, I did a count, and it was like, even if he doesn't have any surprise events in his hand, he was making it to like 20 power or so, because he had um, Rise of the Kraken as his plot, and he had Montport, which is the one that gains you an extra power every time you win an unopposed challenge. And he had the um, King Balon, that, well, he's the only king in play, which he was. Um, opposing characters with lower strength don't count their strength, or can't be declared as defenders. Mm -hmm. So he was just you know, smashing it with unopposed challenges and there was nothing any of us could do about it. Um, Basically, which was a... living Peel's wet dream. Yeah. And that was disappointing for me because I was going after him. Um, 
So I, I can tell you now, though, James, based on the fact you've mentioned this card, I'm making some additions to my deck. Um, I think I'll have to run that port. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and joust, dirty. Yes, I know. Not in a good way. I know. Imagine how brutal that will be. But anyway. Sorry. No, it's just going to be shit. You'll know, <laughs> won't it? will be lovely. It's a two-cost location in joust. Exactly. Not good for that effect. Well, a two-cost location that does nothing until you're already winning unopposed challenges. It's fine, Dave, yeah. because I'll, I'll run... It's not fine. I'll run, I'll run Refurbished Host, uh, or Hulk. Hulk, and then I'll get it in for free. Peel, now your cards are, your deck is at a lean 81 cards. Just leave it there. <laughs> fine, it's perfect. <laughs> Running two copies of Igrit. Yeah, baby. Add the first Ranger. Yeah. <laughs> and soon, Horn of Dragons, but that's not the point. <laughs> okay. Carry on, Mama. Sorry, we've interrupted you quite long enough. That's quite all right. As long as it's for a worthwhile cause, like Peel explaining his master plan. Are you not worried about giving away all your tech on the cast before like, major events? Well, well, no, James, because what they don't realise is that I'm not actually taking... Um, it's all hush-hush, but I'll probably just change my mind completely the night before I go to a tournament and, and rebuild it. Um with some other kind of crazy image in mind. Yeah, what you do is you change your mind from something else to Black Sails the night before the <laughs> You're just like, I was going to play something else. I was actually, actually going to play something Black else Sails. for Nationals. Um, and I think it was going to be um, Targ, 2-2-2. Funny enough, was, I was going to yeah. use that deck because I quite enjoy playing it. And then it was just that. Hyperclaim. Yep, I like Hey, Hyperclaim's a different deck. Yep. Oh, is it? But thank it's you for Ariadne. reminding me. That is, yeah, Hyperclaim's Conquest to Martel. Because it runs the Warcrest Viper. Ah, and right. Warcrest well. events and stuff. It just runs lovely um, stuff. It's just, Peel has a lot of claim in his deck, but it's not Hyperclaim. Okay. No, it, it just happens to end up getting quite a bit of claim. Yeah, Hyperclaim runs forward, The risky one. So, yeah, he's <laughs> I, glorious. What's, I, I do love him. I want him and Theon, the ultimate two, who can completely screw you over. So <laughs> then you can kill Theon accidentally for himself, and then you have to kill all your characters because Roger's on the board as well. Like, no! <laughs> Yeah, but that reminds me, actually, Peel. You've actually played, what, four decks competitively now? Have I? Pretty good. Yeah? you played Greyjoy TLV. Yeah. Greyjoy Sales. Yeah. Greyjoy Hyperclaim. Yeah. And Greyjoy House of Dreams Maidenspain. Ah, and I'll have Did you, you not know, play Lannister? I've, I've also played Stark at no? some point as well. No, I don't No, you, you never played you I never did played at a tournament Stark. once, my first no, tournament. No, you didn't. My first tournament no, was Stark. No, you played Greyjoy at your first tournament. No, my first tournament was Stark. No, it was Greyjoy Long Voyage, with Search and Detain. Oh. I could have sworn people played Lannister at the Stoke Regional. No, that would have been um, oh, Waffle. Waffle. No, because it was the I, first I time I met Peel, and you remarked that you never play Lannister normally. Oh. oh. Maybe you then changed your mind after that conversation. of the. <laughs> Maybe you beat me, James, and it was just like, I don't normally play Lannister, let's see what they're like. You beat me? Oh, I'm not playing these ever again. Shame. Maybe then. I don't believe you, though. I think you're a liar. Carry on, Mama. Tell us the rest of your story. So, so yeah, um, I basically realised this and jumped in to defend so that I could trigger the port and just take second because there was no way anyone was stopping Vince winning, um, which meant that with a win and a high place second, I was on the final table. Vince was obviously on the final table because he'd won twice because he's Vince. Um, and then the amount of power Ryan had been able to build up in that game gave him enough. And then the fourth person was Bambi who was playing Lanny Power behind the throne um, and had won one of the other two tables in the second round. Um, and that final game was amazing. Like, I, I don't know how to describe it and do it justice, 
the probably the quickest way of saying it, I guess, which is ironic, is that it ended in the third round plot phase and still took comfortably over two and a half hours. It was pretty disgusting to watch. <laughs> like part, I watched parts of it in between other games. <laughs> it was. I think horrendous. in the time that you were playing it, I'd done so many things. It was like, are they still playing the, that table? Yeah, all right then. Um, how long has it been now? Uh. <laughs> and we were all just walking around waiting what? for it to finish. The second plot phase. Well, I never thought was... you were going to get off that. It, the second plot phase alone lasted about half an hour. And it was <laughs> like the first round, basically the first round, I had three gold left over, but didn't really want to put any more characters down just because I think at the time what I had in my hand was like a man at arms. Um, and it's like I didn't need to play it. So I just held it back and I had a formal petition in hand. So I thought, okay, we've got two Baratheons. Sorry, a Baratheon, a Greyjoy, and a Lannister. No one's coming attachment hate here. I can play the formal petition now, and it paints a bit of a target on my back, but that's fine. And also, Vince had played Baylor Blacktide, and between a power yep. and the throne deck that's going to be discarding two, uh, you know, cards for intrigue claim quite often, and then someone stopping me playing events out of my discard pile, I figured I kind of needed to play the make an example I had in my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that if you play Make an Example and Formal Petition on round one, it paints a little bit of a target on your back and scares yeah. everyone. Um, and so... Shut up! Sorry. <laughs> that wasn't aimed at you, Weber. My cat's just <laughs> appeared and started meowing at me. I've just been looking at it. Like, I was doing? wondering what that sound was. Well, she started making love to my microphone and that was fine, but then she jumped off and started... Um... Meowing at food. Uh, I'm muting. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, that second round plot phase, it then boiled down to Bambi and Vince desperately trying to contractual terms to Valor um, just to clear my board because I had some power on characters, I think. Um, I, I think maybe I had Robert Baratheon out or something. Um, and right. so I had a target and more importantly just to get my board down so that they could, you know, control me better. Um, Mm -hmm. But Vince had on his side uh, Tal the Thrice Drowned, who can save himself and gain power. Um, And Bambi had the Iron Throne. Um, And basically Vince didn't want to Valor if Bambi was going to cancel his Tal trigger with the Iron Throne so that Tal died. Um, And Bambi wasn't sure he wanted to let Vince get into such a strong position. Um, And meanwhile, they were both not sure if it was a good idea to spend the Valor before Ryan had sort of, you know, Ryan at this point as a Noble Cause deck had nine cards in his hand. uh, Oh, wow. Because of accounting favours on round one and taking Master of Laws. So they were kind of a bit uneasy about everything, but they really, really just didn't know how to handle. And I was seeing on the table with like maybe one renowned character, like I said, I can't remember. But no power grab in hand beyond an oaken shield port, um, which, as it turns out, would have been newly made lorded. So I was kind of like, I don't really mind too much if you valor here. And I actually had a good for the gander in hand. So if valored, then I was going to be able to also kill Tal anyway, and also get rid of Bambi's dupe Tywin. 
So they were sort of sitting, being like, I know Whamma will get hurt by the Valor here. You know, we need to figure out a way we can make this Valor work. And I'm just sitting there going, Valor, 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 Valor. Um, <laughs> in the end, they didn't. Um, so they just ended up deciding to make sure one of them won initiatives. So they could put me in first so they could control me. Um, so I flipped Taken Captive um, and just didn't declare any challenges because um, Ryan had Guyard Morrigan, the uh, rainbow guard that stands uh, when he when you win a challenge with him and gains an extra icon. So he already had a couple of power on him. Um, and I was looking at you know uh, letting him gain an extra one or two and then stealing him. So I didn't declare any challenges. Bambi did some stuff, but nothing particularly effectual. Um, Ryan went for 15, but was denied by Vince because that's Vince knows how to play the game. Um, <laughs> he knows the men have stopped the other people reaching 15. <laughs> he does. Um, and then it got around to Vince and Vince was basically like, okay, Ryan, you've not reached 15. If James takes your guy of Morrigan, he will win from the taking captive power. Can I kill him in a military? And Ryan obviously wasn't happy about it, but he knew that's what he had to do. Vince declared the military. What they'd all forgotten was that at the start, because I'd gone first, I'd taken Crown Regent and just redirected the military at me um, to preserve Guyard. And then they sure. did the maths and realized that at the next plot phase, me flipping Winter Festival and taking Guyard with uh, taking captive won me the game. However, there was also a number of prize cards on the table, which kind of happens when you're playing Conquest to another faction. And also, um, there were two, sorry, there was an aloof and a part deck. And like I had the prize moniker on the Night of the North. Um, and Ryan had a couple of prize cards. There, were, there was a lot of prize on the table, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and Vince, through his own attempts to win, had reached, uh, not 15, if he'd reached 15, he would have won. He'd reached 13 power. So yeah. it became a case of if he valid, which he then did, whoever, um, who, like what order of passives were triggered determined who won. Okay. Um, so I turned Winter Festival and uh, Vince turned Valor. And Ryan foolishly played the Aftermath. Um, I say foolishly, it meant that he had to be first player, which meant that he had to choose the order of the passives to choose who won the game. He got to be the Earl of Warwick, copyright Lowell Craven, last time we recorded this episode. So, yeah, uh, Ryan had to kingmake. He really didn't want to. Um, and so we did then, having spent so much time negotiating throughout the last like two and a half hours, we had to decide to find a fair way of deciding who'd won. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a few different ideas were mooted, you know, like um, just like declaring it a tie or like Vince was saying that I should get the win because I would have won if it wasn't for weird rules of passives. And I was like, no, that's obviously crap. We both won at the same rate, according to the rules of the game. Um, and, you know, we were saying maybe, you know, like it's the Game of Thrones, you win or you tie. Maybe we should take the tie. That didn't happen. And in the end, I think it was Becky suggested rock, paper, scissors. Um, and we both flipped rock. Then we both flipped paper. And Vince underestimated, maybe he overestimated my ability to stick to patterns. Um, 
he went with paper and I went with scissors. And that won me the melee. And it's it's kind of a stupid way to win a national championship event. On the yeah. other hand, it's the fourth time I've played Vince in a game of melee, competitive game of melee. And not only is it the first time that I've won, it's also the first time that he hasn't. <laughs> nice. So, you know, as I know he'd disagree, but as far as I'm concerned, he's a genuine contender for being the mess, the best melee player in the world. So if it takes me rock, paper, scissors to beat him at melee, I'll take beating him at melee with rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, that's good enough for me. Um, and yeah, that was the tournament. Uh, the only other thing left to discuss about it, I guess, is the uh, the prize support, um, of which there was none officially. Um, it was sort of like, even though it was sort of announced as being in the schedule, it was technically like a side event. And so there was no prize support to speak of for it. Um, so Lee, who was hosting it, uh, basically said, I've got some swag from the regionals if you want it. Um, obviously having gone to loads of region, uh, so to store championships, um, I'd already got all the swag. And so I asked if there was any for any of the other games and he said, yeah, sure. And so I asked for a Cthulhu map. And so now I've got the 2014, I believe, Call of Cthulhu store championship play map, even though I've never played a competitive game of Cthulhu in my life. Well played. Uh, and it seems like I've picked a good time to get one of those Cthulhu mats, given what's happened to the game. So, yeah, yeah. now I've got a rare collector's item, and that's going to be my melee play mat from now on. Uh, any other closing comments on the melee? No, I just want to, as a last thing, I want to say I appreciate greatly. I'm guessing this is going to be one of the more listened to episodes by like Americans and whatnot. So I just want to say how delighted I am that you've made a, a group of Americans listen to thoughts <laughs> about melee before they hear the DC controversy. That just warms my heart. <laughs> yeah, it's the only game that matters. It is it the is. core rulebook for the is. game, isn't it? It is the game, and Joust is the variant to the core game, which is melee. That's that's just in the rules. Yeah. Dispute it. So it's it's the same the level like two p two or the Littlefinger variant. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Although we all know that 2v2 is the best format by far. Yes. So, now we're going to move on to our listener questions. Uh, first up, for Peel, what's your favourite mainstream comic publisher? Marvel or... Never mind. That's from Mage. Marvel. Okay. And if you are going to recommend a pair of skater shoes, what would they be? Etnies. And why is that? Because they're comfy as fuck. And if you were to go with alternating current or direct current, which would it be? Uh, alternating current due to the higher kind of power I'm able to put into various things because you can always get converters from alternative to direct. What are your f uh, favourite two letters in the first four letters of the alphabet? C and A. Oh, there was a C there. There was a C. That's the closest we've got. <laughs> what are your? Who's your favourite mainstream comic publisher, Wama? Um, I don't know which one was it that did like Batman and Superman. And anything else that DC does? It was DC. Oh, okay. <laughs> and your favourite shoes? Well, I'm not really one for skater shoes, but when I wear them, it'd have to be DCs. I agree. I like Batman, and I like DCs. You so, like DC? I like so DC, DC. Shuko. Okay. Moving on to the next question. They're, the guys are watching me, and they're just like, we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> there is a point to that. Okay, so Daniel Vincent Mulcrone 
asks, what themes, ideas, or mechanics from 1.0 would you like to see introduced to 2.0? Peel, are there any themes you want to see come back? Boatage! Okay, naval icons. Whammer, yeah. any themes for you? Yeah, I like the naval icons, and also, you've got to mention shadows. They're always good. And yeah. I'm a big fan of maesters, as I believe you are, Dave. I love maesters. I think maesters are the best deck. And uh, <laughs> no matter how you build them, they're just easy mode. And, it, can be, uh, it can be suboptimal and still be the best. <laughs> yes, they can. Oh, good. And I would also say Shadows, definitely. Uh, Pia, what do you think the most powerful big character in 2.0 is? Um, Such as Eddard or the Viper or... Eddard. I'm going oh, to run do with Eddard. How... Do you know what any of them do? Yeah, I was going to say, giving him Eddard is helping him out unfairly, because it was going to be funny as Peel desperately tried to think on his feet while he loaded up card game DB, and now you've just given him the name of one of them. Don't be silly, I don't have my laptop out. <laughs> what, what are you Skyping on? I'm Skyping on my phone because I don't know where my laptop power cable is. Okay. So Eddard is your favourite, is it? He is, yes. Okay, sure. Whammer? Um, I, I mean... You've got to mention Bob, but my favourite's Tywin. I like the part where he's got all of the icons and renown and gives you gold. Agreed. Uh, my favourite's definitely Bob. Um, he's just the tits. He just wrecks the board whenever he gets dropped. So that's good. Not that I've actually played with him yet, but I'm excited to. I thought you played in Poland. Oh, yeah. I have I have played in Poland, but I didn't play with Baratheon. Ah, OK. I only played two games. I played uh, Greyjoy Fealty and Tyrell... Conquest to Lannister? Banter. Banter to the Lannisters, yes. That's exactly what I mean. Um, Which was essentially a hyper Randall deck, and I didn't see Randall, and I had a sad time. Ah. Yeah. Um, So, Dave M. Nicholas asks, I want to try and start a new meta at work. We'll all be scrub nuts. I'm willing to pick up a couple of core sets. What decks or archetypes should I build for teaching and learning? Peel, do you have any thoughts on that? Stark. Okay, James, do you have any more reasoned thoughts on that? <laughs> Other than just the house well, people no, who watch the TV Stark, show like. You have to, Stark is a good house to start with because you learn how to lose very quickly. <laughs> that is an important skill to have in this game. It is, because once you realise that your characters are fragile, and Stark, I always found, were very fragile on occasions. They've got lots of characters, and a lot of good characters, but they are fragile if you just hit them with stuff. And it's like, oh. So, no saves. Yeah, Stark. Would uh, would you agree that they shouldn't start with Stark because Stark is so boring to play? Uh, well, no, and yes at the same time. Uh, personally, I'd say start with Tyrell or Night's Watch because everyone's new to them, so therefore you're going to be ahead no matter what. Okay, sure. Yeah. And uh, what do you think? What, do, what should people start with, Wammer? Well, I mean, I think it depends partly on sort of like how competitive you want to be. If you just want to play some games, um, you know, in like sort of a more of a board game type, type setting. I think the out-of-the-box approach actually works really well. The just sort of get two of the factions and shuffle their cards together and you've got a deck. Um, I definitely recommend starting with that. Um, if you're wanting to sort of take it to the next level, um, I don't, I mean, we're going to be propping another podcast in a sense later on by talking about the whole Sethgate thing. But I know Beyond the Wall... Um, Alex Hines did a segment, uh, quite a lengthy segment, where he talked about the different uh, decks that he'd made to try to help teach players. Um, and he's posted those lists online. So if you go and look for that episode, um, I'd run with those lists because from everything I know about them, they're very good lists to, to use. And he found 
very successful. Yep, I'll link to that episode if I remember in the comments. Nice. Um, Peel and I are doing a tutorial session in uh, Northampton on the 31st of October. October. Yep, and uh, I will be building those decks, assuming we have 2.0 by that point. <laughs> if not, I, I won't be teaching anyone. No, and I'll just we'll just be weeping into a pillow. Uh, yeah, so if you want to come along to that and you live in the Northampton area, give us a text and... Uh, Give us a message and we'll we'll let you know the details. Um, so yeah, basically, I think it's best to either teach them with the houses they like, especially Stark and Lannister is like a nice two um, easy ones. Everyone or, knows uh, them, really. Or don't build they? the six decks that Alex has made and let them pick because most of them are reasonably playable, but they do scale to skill, which helps. So the Targaryen one is slightly harder to play than say the Stark one, which is cool. Uh, and so Jack Abbott asks, do we have any pre-challenge actions? Whammer? No. Peel? Um... No. Cool. I don't either, so we'll move straight on to. Uh, we're going to skip Wex. Because, um, <laughs> what is Wex's question? Uh, he asks, which is the best house to run each neutral sub-theme out of? And why uh... are Stark so boring? So we're going to actually right. skip that and cover it next week because it's okay. a bit lengthier. Right, fair enough. Uh, and then Rabs and Andreas and now Thomas okay. all ask about Seth and Eric. They say, right. Why, what would we say to Seth and Eric? Why do we put bad cards in our decks and how would Seth perform at Starleck? So we'll cover that in our next section well, entitled Seth Gate. Dave, we all know you're wrong um, for no apparent clear reason whatsoever. But you, you're just wrong on all your card choices. So I'll make sure I build some of the decks as well when we teach the people. Just because I wouldn't want you to build a shit deck. Um, I'm genuinely you worried about concerned. this. You're worried that you're going to go to Northampton and do this test with complete noobs who've never seen the game before and they're going to take one look at the decks and be like, oh, these are just shit, aren't they? I was like, well, where's Harrenhal? Um, yeah, well, there's no Harrenhal in it, Dave. Uh, so unfortunately, the deck will be shit. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. And uh, so we move on to... The main attraction, I guess. Uh, I'm not counting the melee and cards beginning with K, of course. Um, oh, I was going to go with the intro. Oh, well, okay, and the intro. Should we do the intro now? I think, I think the main attraction is the theme song. We've got to be honest here. Uh, I'm a big fan of the theme song, personally. Everybody's yeah. a big fan of the theme song. and <laughs> Most people aren't even in it, and they're big fans of the theme song. Well, Glazer said he would leave the white book if we put him in the song. So uh, what does that tell you? It tells me you shouldn't put him in the song. <laughs> Good idea. At least until he buys a new microphone. Yeah. Okay, so the drama on Agot cards. You're obviously well aware of what happened, Whammer. But uh, I will inform everyone who isn't. Uh, I posted my winning deck list from Nationals and I got a couple of reasonable comments. A bit of a. Uh, just like, oh, why didn't you play this? Why didn't you play that? Which I answered to begin with and then got distracted by something and I haven't had internet for 12 days so haven't really been able to <laughs> comment um, but then a member of the DC meta in the US Seth Lowe commented and to paraphrase he didn't think it was a very good deck uh, he said this deck and Craven's deck shouldn't be making the top 4 of a competitive event uh, the Greyjoy deck is worse and is sometimes a noob stomping deck that just wants to get ahead and have saves lots of bad cards uh, and basically that we were just shit, essentially. 
he did come out and say that he wasn't talking to us personally. Just said that he didn't um, he didn't think the decks were very good. Uh, but personally, reading through between the lines, it would imply either the UK was shit or Craven and I were really good. The UK um, was shit, you say? Yeah. Well, if these decks managed to make top four, either Craven and I are really, really good players, or the rest of the UK is useless. That was my reading of it. I would uh, not Seth sit here on... idly by and let Seth Lowe imply that you're good players. Yeah, We're going to have to take the means... flak and say the UK's awful. Yeah, that seems fair. Um, and they did go on to say that the majority of tournaments were competitively hollow, which was a bit much. And uh, people basically jumped on. Uh, basically everyone that wasn't from DC and a couple of Canadians said, that's a bit rude. Um you probably shouldn't talk to them like that. There's constructive criticism, which we're all for. Um, I knew my deck could be better because I built it in uh, eight days before the tournament. So, And I only added Brienne the night before. That's how quick <laughs> it was. Do you want to... Uh, well, uh, we'll carry on, I guess. Um, so there's a bit of drama, a bit of... Uh, people struck back a bit. And uh, Seth and Eric Butzlaff from the DC Meta went on to Beyond the Wall. And they tried to kind of say, right, this is why we, we act like that. And this is why DC treat competitive events a bit differently from other people. Uh, and, of course, the reason we have Whammer on today is because Whammer took offence to this. Uh, I'm going to say that anyway. And uh, he wanted to strike back at some of those comments. So if we're going we're gonna to take some of the points they've made, uh, the easier ones, hmm. and uh, comment on them. So do you want to take a few and then I'll chip in as and when? Yeah, sure. First of all, a couple of things I want to sort of say in advance um, is Craven isn't here. He was here last time we did the uh, the recording for this, um, and he had some things uh, to say. Principally, he wanted to defend some of the choices he'd made in his deck, um, which obviously was also criticised by Seth, um, where he said there were a number of bad cards in in the deck and that it just wanted to get ahead and have saves. Craven's argument was essentially if the deck wants to get ahead and have saves and wins, isn't that sort of a good thing? Yeah, like, that's, that's basically what Greyjoy do. Yeah, that, that is a standard approach that Greyjoy aggro uses. I mean, like Seth's criticism of your deck was that it didn't have stoic resolve in it. Uh, or Harrenhal. Or and it's like, ultimately, the Baratheon deck wants, in his mind, wants to get ahead and then stoic to protect its characters and whatnot. And it's basically the same principle, only for some reason it was bad when Craven did it. Um, there's also <laughs> the question of, um, like, I specifically asked him uh, why he had three scurvy cutthroats in his deck. Um, and basically, Craven held his hands up and said that it was not what should have been in the deck. However, it was a metacool. It wasn't just a blind, I want to put these cards in, I'm going to say it's a metacool. But he's been playing that deck or variations on it for a, quite a while. And he's consistently found that he's had serious problems with attachments. Um, mm. And since Greyjoy doesn't have much in the way of good options for dealing with attachments, it was a perfectly sensible card for him to include. And while ultimately it didn't pay off and he didn't end up using them successfully all day, it's only a one-cost weenie. Like, ultimately, half of the point of cards at that level is to be claim soak anyway, which they still function perfectly well as. It's not like he was including, I don't know, like, corset little finger or something some you know it wasn't an important part of his deck in like the yeah. high impact sense it was just a filler that he made a metacool with and it didn't 
work out as a metacool, but it's still worked out as cheap claim soak to help him keep the pressure on, um, which is all perfectly well and good. Um, on to some of the comments that were made. I also want to say, first of all, that we obviously understand that Seth and Eric don't speak for the entirety of the DC matter. Um, that, you know, no one really speaks for an entire group like that. Everybody is different. We understand that. However, they do have a habit of speaking on behalf of the DC meta as a whole. So if we end up saying DC this or DC that, you know, we accept we're talking about specific people within the group and not just the group. Um, and I also, on a personal note, want to say I met Seth when I went to New York uh, for the regional last year. And he was perfectly nice and friendly and sincere and earnest and everything you'd want in a person that you'd meet at a Game of Thrones event. Um, so I certainly am not saying he is a twat. I will perhaps accuse him of behaving like one. Um, on to... Oh, do you have anything you want to add to that, Dave? Um, not really, I don't think. Yeah. Uh... If I do go to Worlds, it'd be interesting to see what Seth actually says to my face. I look forward to meeting him if I go. Uh, and I am utterly terrified of the thought of getting beaten by DC in the cut. <laughs> oh, don't worry, Dave. You won't make the cut. That's fine. Oh, that's fine. That's fine, then. I'm only there to draft. Yeah. I'm say that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, then on to some of the specific things that were said. Um, first of all, I want to... Uh, just to add in one more disclaimer... Um, I that what this is going to be is it's going to be like an 8 out of 10 level player basically criticizing a bunch of 9 out of 10 level players. Um, so I accept there's a certain amount of hypocrisy when I start talking about good or bad or things like that. That said, I was part of the team that won the European team event. Um, <laughs> so the UK can't be that crap because all three members of that team were at the UK Nationals and two of them made the cut so you know this isn't some know-nothing person talking even if it's not a know-it-all either and considering how well Europeans tend to do at Worlds yeah what does that tell you? <laughs> rhetorical question yeah um, so some of the specific things um one point that was made about your deck in particular, Dave, is that without even looking at it, we know it's crap because it's not 60 cards. And as we know, all good decks have to be 60 cards, um, which is why Bruno won Worlds with a 63-card deck, which is why Greg Atkinson has won uh, Worlds and Gen Con as it was then uh, with like even more than that. Um and this point about uh, John Bruno and Greg Atkinson was actually made uh, on Agor Cards by myself and by Tagore. And um, I think it was Steve Simone who said that it was a stupid argument to make um, because you can't just take bad practice and excuse it by saying the good players do it. Um, and I want to make it clear that when we say this, we're not saying, therefore, it's good. You should use more than 60 cards because that's what John Bruno did. What we're saying is that it doesn't matter if you go slightly over 60 cards. Your deck, like the difference it makes to your deck is negligible between 60 and 62 and 63. What you need to do with your deck is you need to make it balanced. 
you need to make it so that it handles well. That doesn't automatically mean get it down to 60 cards and then it's the best set that you can get. Like, ultimately, maybe the absolute best version of a Baratheon Maesters deck or, you know, a Greater No Agenda deck or any other deck, except possibly like Black Sails or Long Voyage, is a 60-card deck. However, if you've got a very good version of the deck that's running at like 62 cards, then you shouldn't remove cards just to get to that magical number 60 because it's not necessarily going to make the deck better. You're not going to optimize it magically by taking out cards, especially when the card pool is this big and every card that you're even considering for the deck is good. Although apparently you included bad cards in your deck, so what do I know? <laughs> but the point is about optimizing it for like the sort of the local maximum rather than some hypothetical best version because not everyone is Corey Fatty. You can't just magically find the best version of the deck. You should find a very, very good version of the deck and get good at playing it, which is what you did, Dave. You, by your own admission, did not optimize your deck at all. You just took a bunch of cards that you liked and thought were good, centered them around a theme, you know, built the deck out of it and played it very, very well on the day and won with it, which is what you're meant to do. Yeah, um, that's essentially it. That's the secret to my success. Yeah. And in particular with Baratheon Maesters, it's not a deck that requires that insane amount of optimization because it's a deck that's about those big swingy effects. So your version, for example, Dave, it's about you know controlling the early game well enough with the Brightwater Man at Arms and whatnot, getting the challenges off to get your lead link and enough chains, use threat from the north for a one-sided board wipe, and just control the game and win. Now, yep, that, strategy, <laughs> that strategy works just as well whether you're using, you know, the Bastard of Nightsong or Brienne of Tarth or whatever else. It's the same basic strategy. And, you know, m changing the pieces that you're using to do it slightly isn't really massively going to affect the quality of the deck. You know, a Baratheon Maesters deck that's doing the correct thing but doing it at 98% efficiency rather than 995 it's still going to be doing a good job. And to pretend that your deck is an irrelevance that shouldn't matter just because of it being over the limit or not having the most optimal cards or whatever is just stupid. And to suggest otherwise, to me, indicates that you're not that good. That because by, by pretending that the only way a deck can be good is 60, you're either being, you know, you're over-exaggerating to try and make yourself seem smart or you understand the maths behind it and so think that you're a genius for pointing it out. Everyone understands the basic concept behind it and if you try and pretend that you're making some insightful point by just saying that, then you're just using it as a crutch, frankly. One other thing, and I know this is something that Craven in particular was passionate about when we recorded this the first time, um, was the subject of using cards as a metacool um, whether that was just being used as an excuse for poor deck building. And I think reading between the lines, Seth was probably thinking about, you know, the uh, the, the scurvy cutthroats or whatever. Um, and frankly, I think that it's foolish to pretend that you shouldn't make metacals. You know, you can talk about, you know, whether it improves the deck or whatever. And obviously, in most cases, a metacal won't improve the deck pretty much by definition. If it improved the deck, it's not a metacool, it's just making your deck better. We can talk about that all day long, but at the end of the day, you're taking these decks to tournaments. And if you're making a change to your deck that increases your chances of winning the tournament, 
that's what you should be doing. That's not being a bad deck builder. And I mean, I agree that some people will use uh, uh, metacles as an excuse to, or not even as an excuse. That implies they're doing it knowingly. I think some people will mistakenly water down their deck in the name of trying to cool the meta. For example, they might expect a load of conclaves and runny grit just because they think, oh, I'll be able to take a conclave, that'll be good. Whereas, in fact, what you should be doing is saying, okay, I'm running this deck. It's a really good deck, but it struggles a lot with choke. Uh, now, I know that choke, the way to stop choke is to stop their draw. Their draw is neutral through Samuel Tarly. Therefore, I'll run Egret as a counter to their draw, and that'll give me, you know, a favourable card in this matchup that's a specific weakness of my deck. I, you know, that sort of thing. I don't see what the problem is. You know, you're making your deck better where you need to make your deck better. Um, like maybe in, you know, I don't know, like say ninety percent of matchups, you've made your deck ever so slightly worse, but not by much because you're changing one card to. Egret, who still in a lot of matchups will be able to do a job, even if it's just you know taking something small fry like I don't know, like a Gendry or a Maester Amon or Cold Hands or something. It's still giving you some small advantage a lot of the time. Um, so yeah, maybe ninety percent of the time you're making your deck worse, um, but in a, a minute kind of way. But if it helps you massively in those ten percent of the times, then you're making yourself more likely to win the tournament because of it. Then that's not being a weak deck builder. That's being a smart deck builder. And it's it's about knowing what to like when to do it and when not to do it. Um, and to give an example, when I took Targaryen Black Sails to uh, Starlek last year, I was very torn on what version of Jorah to use, and also whether I should include Dario Naharis. Um, and I know the version that uh, Vapad and Alex Hines took to uh, to Worlds and did very well with didn't run Dario at all and ran the Jura that uh, has, you know, as a stealth tricon rather than the ally hate one. Um, and after thinking about it a lot, I decided to split my strategy. I included Dario, but included the stealth Jura rather than the ally hate one because okay. I wanted to shore up my uh, matchup with Martel, um, who, like the Martel No Agenda deck that runs Quentin and all his knighty friends. Um, and I also was worried about Baratheon decks that were going to be using the Laughing Storm and Val, which ended up being what won the tournament. Um, so I definitely wanted the hate from Dario. Um, but in the end, I changed my mind on Jorah, and rather than going with the Metacool, went with the always good card. Um, and having that Jorah won me my top 16 game, but having Dario at all won me my top 32 game. So it's about knowing when to call the meta and when not to. It's certainly not about saying, oh, you should never try and make meta calls. That's just a, the thing a bad deck player does to excuse their choices. Yeah. Seems That's pretty all. reasonable to me. Um, so another thing they said in that, uh, in that uh, Beyond the Wall episode um, was they said that they want the game to be more competitive and yet when Eric was asked why DC don't share their decks, he said that it was basically he recounted two anecdotes, both of which end up with he lost to someone else playing a DC deck. <laughs> oh dear. Now, to be honest, 
I think that, especially given that he doesn't play anymore, Eric is basically operating as a, as a wind-up mode. <laughs> he, it's, you know, he basically admits in that interview that he only attends the DC uh, meetups to troll everyone. So what a surprise it is that he's saying troll comments online. Like, mm. I'm not going to give too much of a crap about them, to be honest. But it is a rather delicious bit of hypocrisy. And Yeah, we want everyone to be better, but we won't help you be better. Yeah, like better Seth on himself own. on that cast said that basically Eric wants people to be good enough to appreciate that they're losing to someone great. <laughs> he doesn't want them to actually be able to beat him. He wants a challenge, but it wants it, he wants it to be a challenge he can do. I, I like that. I, I kind of appreciate that. I kind of appreciate <laughs> that too, but you'd hope that he'd at least be honest about it and that the people behind this attitude of not revealing deck tech wouldn't then go around criticising everyone else's decks. Yeah, it comes off a bit. A bit, eh, for want of a better word. <laughs> Is this a word at all? No, it wasn't a word at all, but I've got several words, and uh, I thought I'd refrain from using most of those words at this point. Yeah, no, Uh, I mean, what's there to say, (laughs) but it's clearly just a little bit silly. And I I had a very interesting discussion, actually, with Corey Farty in the the comment thread for that Beyond the Wall episode, um, to which he stated his view that he thinks that players would benefit, or that the community would benefit from those decks not being introduced um, to the world at large just because like, local tournaments being won by these incredibly well-refined decks wouldn't make it fun for anyone. Now, personally, I think that if that happened, the problem would be with the people taking stupidly well-refined decks to tournaments with which other people were just taking as a bit of fun. Or I'd take it as players should take better decks to tournaments one way or the other. I don't... Yeah. Like, blaming the people posting the decks online for the disparity seems a bit wrong to me personally. But, you know, that's his opinion. That's fine. I'm not going to criticise. However, I would really like to see some of the players like Seth or Corey or whoever else who are very good at this game. I'd like to see them, you know, do a bit more writing online. Not like in your deck thread, I think it's, <laughs> had enough of that. it's perhaps been established that's not the most constructive way to offer analysis. But, you know, maybe write a few articles for CardGameDB, that sort of thing. It would be really good to see the, you know, the upper echelon players participating more. That would be positive for the game, I think. Um, that's my thoughts on that. Um, the last thing I wanted to say about the contents of the cast uh, the notion that only the really good players can appreciate decks being posted is just bizarre, frankly. <laughs> like, it's, it's it's a bit of a leap, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's a bit. Uh, it has sort of like the tone of elitist snobbery that really rubs me up the wrong way. But it, quite beside that, I think it's just true. Like. When I started the game, I wasn't very good. Um, like I think that's true of most people. Like unless you've come in from another game and you already understand a lot of the mechanics, of course you're not just going to instantly be amazing. And I learned from 
reading articles online and playing against people and seeing decks that were published. And like, I remember when I got into the game, uh, Clue used to do a series of articles where he'd look at decks that had won tournaments and analyze them and explain how they worked and what was good about them. And I remember uh, Tiny Grimes used to write a, a series of articles, Forging the Chain, um, where he did a similar thing, except sort of more anecdotal about his own experiences and his own attempts to improve at the game. Um, and I'd like to think that doing all that kind of stuff made me a better player. And likewise, to at the risk of insulting former versions of people, I think you can see that a lot with people like, uh, I don't know, like Jakob Holtman or uh, Don Van Beek, who both, in my opinion, weren't that amazing when they started, but very quickly became very strong players. Mm. And to the point where, in my opinion, they are two of like the top 10 known players in the world, in my opinion. And that's come through them participating in the game and learning from other players and getting better. And now they're able to impart that wisdom to others. It's just, it's just the natural cycle of anything. You don't hear a university professor saying, well, I could explain to you how, you know, quantum mechanics works. However, I feel like that would really only be giving an unfair advantage to my peers and you wouldn't understand it anyway. Like if people want to learn, they'll learn. If people don't want to learn, then that's not your target audience anyway. Stop being elitist and post your decks. <laughs> Basically, yeah. One other thing I did want to say is that things online. Well, at least this is livened stuff up again on the boards. And it's like if you need a controversy to get enjoyment out of the board, that's kind of sad to be honest. Like just <laughs> participate. Post decks, get opinions from people, post opinions on other people's decks, try to phrase them nicely. Like it is, it is more interesting than Agot cards. At the, no, card game DB at the moment, which is just moaning about Baratheon Neil. It's like Neil is strong. Yeah. Yes, okay, get over it. But <laughs> at least they've moved on from heads and yeah, spices. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to what it's going to be after Baratheon Neil. Oh yeah. Hopefully they like, do what, really what generate character light build. Predictions? Um there is gonna come become a time where Night's Watch Defence is playable. And I think that's gonna be really frustrating for people. Yeah, uh, I can and see Burn that. as well. Because people have moaned about Dracaris already. And there's yeah. gonna be a point where there is enough burn to make a proper burn deck. And people I was are gonna, gonna hate that a lot more. Think that Targaryen card that's so powerful they um, it's limit once per deck that's coming in the next cycle Do you, like people are going to be oh it's so unfair he drew it turn one and then I couldn't win or it's yeah, so unfair I had turn one and then she heads on spikes it out of my hand I, I just want to know what it is like some people have speculated <laughs> yeah, that it makes someone uh, Stormborn uh, or it could be some dirty burn card or, I don't know, maybe it's Balerion. I hope it's Balerion. And I hope it says you can pay two extra gold to play Balerion out of a Lannister house. <laughs> the way he's meant I'll, to be played. I, I just hope that it is um, like like the dragon eggs in the, um, in the prize, in the Conquest of Defiance cycle, that were all limit once per deck and nobody ever played them. Everyone just goes, oh. Were they limit once per deck? Yes. They just wank. Like, I didn't want to play them however many copies I could play. So Yeah, they, I mean, in practice, they were limit zero per deck, but according <laughs> to the card text, it's meant to be once. Oh, fair enough. Kind of thematic, I guess. Don't know. It's silly. 
So to sum up Sethgate and the DC controversy, number one, if you want people to be better, help them be better. They go and get better just playing in their tiny little matches on their own. Number two, yep. efficiency isn't everything, and people make odd card choices. Metacals are okay. It'll be fine. We're all friends here. Number three, don't be massive cheeky monkeys. And that's it. Good advice for life. So, Peel, you've stayed rather silent because you haven't been here. What are your thoughts on the matter? Well, to be honest, Dave, I think he's just a bit of a bell end. Thank you, Peel. Oh, crap. I just remembered something else I wanted to say about it. Oh, what was it? Um, about how the assertions about how um, everyone should be trying to win and so on. I just wanted to point out that it's possible to go to a tournament in the interest of enjoying the tournament and not necessarily aiming to win it. But Yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable. I know enough people that do that. Like Josh, uh, the UK Nationals last year, took a neutral Song of Fire deck he didn't take that because he thought it was going to help him win the tournament. He took it because he thought it would be fun. And he had the time of his life playing that. I remember after the first round, he came up to me and Becky and he was excitedly telling us about all the awesome stuff he'd done. Like he'd been able to um, play Vargo Hopes to discard a character agenda and all these things. And he clearly had had such a great time. And he was so happy. And we were like, oh, awesome. So you won then? And he was like, no. <laughs> oh, I got destroyed, but it was amazing. <laughs> That's probably a bad example, though, because Josh actually would have played something else, but Carl stole his deck the night before. Well, yeah, but Josh still had the time. <laughs> like, like, he could have... It's not like everyone's backup Plan B deck is a neutral song of fire. <laughs> true, true. And, of course, he is the man that took um, 10 towers to... Blackwater. Yeah, House of Dreams 10 <laughs> which has which produced loads of amazing stories. It did. That's, that's still one of the, my favourite decks ever. Yes. Yeah. It's just so good. And it's not because um, it's going to win. It's not a no. deck to watch out for at Worlds. Oh, actually, well, I don't know. Maybe. We'll, well okay. We um, don't know what the next FAQ will bring, so... <laughs> just restrict everything except that. Um, if you want to hear about all the amazing plays of that, we did cover it on episode 5, I think, uh, where Craven was replaced by Josh. Uh, for better or for worse, depending on who you ask. <laughs> So, uh, Vince, our wonderful melee friend from France, has given us some information about the Hans Tourney that's coming up in Paris, in France, of course, on the 17th or 18th, oh, 17th and 18th of October. Uh, and it's a Road to Starlek tournament, so if you win it, you get your accommodation and entry fee for Starlek paid for. And you get to rub it in the face of any Frenchmen who have turned up, which there'll be lots of. Unless you are French. Uh, unless you are French, in which case, congratulations also. Yes. Um, it's joust on the Saturday and then the cut and side events on the Sunday. Unlike most French tournaments, it doesn't have an official melee that takes up part of the um, the tournament. So their national championship, the national champion who goes to Worlds is the overall champion. Yeah. Uh, and the same when I went to the Lille regional, the champ, the uh, the trophy went to the overall champion. Yeah. On that note, can I just quickly say congratulations to Vince? Um, because due to the winner of the Joust tournament foolishly choosing not to compete in the other event, he is the overall champion for the UK Nationals with second place yeah. finishes in both Joust and Melee. So congratulations to Vince for that. Good work, Vince. Um, Craven called me protector of the realm for at least three days for keeping a Frenchman off uh, 
the top spot. But if he got the if he got the if he got overall anyway, then there you go. Oh well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the twenty of the hand, it will be twenty five euros for entrance. Um. And the winner also gets a copy of the white book, uh, which is nothing to do with our rival podcast. Um. It is a literal leather bound book, which is white. And uh, the winner will writes in it, and he writes about the other members of the top eight who become his Kingsguard. And, uh, yeah, it's just a really nice book full of the history of the French tournament. Uh, I think it's the biggest tournament in Paris every year the winner gets to take it. Um, there's, no, you, there's no pictures of the inside on the internet. You're allowed to show whoever you like, but you're not allowed to put it on the internet. So you'll have to know someone who won it or wins it yourself. Um, it's a basically really, just a really cool little prize. It's a I great think. legacy item. It really sort of helps build up, you know, long term. Yeah, such an awesome idea. It's kind of uh, like the Agot Wood Sword that we've got, only more sort of classy and French. Yeah, basically, uh, it's it's really nice. Like uh, Vince has posted a picture on our UK group, uh, and he sent me a picture in a chat, and it's looks like a really nice book. Uh, so go and win that. Yeah. And then, of course, the French are renowned for their hospitality at French, uh, Thrones tournaments anyway. Uh, we went to Lille, and the prize support was amazing. Uh, the, everyone was lovely. Uh, they spoke English in the melee to make it a bit easier for us. Um, and, it, yeah, so go along. Uh, yeah, also, is good that swag, good food, good banter. Is that Sorry? the tournament where they're doing a really awesome participation prize with the house cards? It is, yes. He didn't actually mention this before, but he has since let us know that there are customised house cards. Um, I don't actually know if that's official knowledge yet, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Uh, if you register in advance, you will get a house card of your choice. <coughs> oh, there's that silence pistol again. Um, <laughs> Sounded a little less silence that time, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, a a personalised house card with uh, your name and like your favourite house crest and whatever words you want. Um, I've tried to get a copy for myself, but I don't think I'm going to be allowed unless I actually go, which is a shame. I'm really sad. I really want to make it to that tournament, and I can't because of work commitments, and it's making me very sad. That does suck. Um, basically, come along. Uh, if you need a lift from the UK, uh, Bambi is intended to take a car, so you might be able to meet him somewhere. Uh, and if you need somewhere to stay, contact us and we'll put you onto someone, or... Uh, message Vince and he will be able to hook you up with someone uh, Vince T on Agot Cards I think his name is it's Vince on Vince Milo, Milo I think on yes yeah Vince Milo on Agot Cards uh, message him and he will hopefully be able to find someone in Paris to put you up for the night which makes it a bit cheaper a bit easier yeah so yeah go to that it'll be awesome <laughs> right last up is cards beginning with K uh, of course, our favourite segment. Peel, what's your favourite card? King Balon's host! Yes, it is. I'm looking and forward why? to M. Can I just throw this one out there? M is no, going to be... No, can't, you can't spoil it. No, I'm not, I'm not going to... exciting. Oh, all right, then fair enough. Well, okay. uh, King Balon's host... Say it's going to be good. Uh, big feck off eight-cost army. Only cost four if you have a, uh, a allied king in, which is always tasty, because you've got King Euron and King Balon, and you can put one of them out. And you can be like, wait, there you go. Have some of these. Only four gold. Put you in the way. Oh, what's that? No. Lose all your keywords. Have none of that. Huh? Or a queen. Or a queen. Yes, the queen. Uh, but I don't really play Lannis as much as I should. <gasps> oh, no. Well, don't tell Craven. Uh, he'll uh, kill me. 
you play um you play the other Alanis, the cancel one. I just no, I never seem to. If I have them in my hand, mate, I just never put them out. I don't know why. Um, I always like look at them, and it's like, well, they're three, four costs. Can't really, be, you know, got other players. I'd rather play for that. So, uh, like King Dan on Toast, for example. But it's rare that I have them in my decks anymore because they've uh, they've cost me games before uh, with my determination to hold on to them and not get rid of them in any way, shape, or form. So I just hold on to them, keep them safe, block all injury challenges, not to lose them, and never once see a king and subsequently lose the game and never bring them out. Fair play. So, great, but costly and kind of my demise at times. Yeah, and that was also um, Craven's card the first time we recorded this, wasn't it? Yeah, shockingly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Go on then, Wama. Oh, sorry, if you still got No, 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 that's fine. Come um, okay. I was slightly torn um, between the Corset Carl Drogo uh, and the one that I eventually went for. Drogo is just so good. And he's so much fun. And it's always great to win a challenge and your opponent just doesn't care because they're like, oh, whatever. I, you know, I don't have any power on my house to steal or I don't have any cards in my hand. And then you're like, Drogo? <laughs> and you just get to watch their heart sink and it's beautiful. But he's not the one oh, I've gone yeah. for. Uh, the one that I've gone for is a little bit more unassuming than that. Uh, it's Knight of the North, which is the Baratheon's prized Monocon weenie. Um, I like being able to win challenges, and he's very good at it. Um, I like Baron Knights. It's a deck that I've taken to tournaments multiple times before, and he is a fantastic Baron Knight. Um, and power challenges are my favorite challenge in the game. Um, I'm a big ones, fan of power challenges. They're the I'm... ones that let you win the game, is what I think. Yeah. They're the ones that get you power, which I understand is what you're meant to do. Well, yes, I'll give you that. You are meant to win the game of power, but sometimes it is funner just to wipe them all out. My favourite <laughs> card beginning with K is Knights of the Hollow Hill, because I oh. love playing influence, and it's fun. I, I like that... board wipes, I like ambush, I like red vengeance, I like it all. I like Drowned Prophet. Um, you like it, yeah. especially because it's influence that you can't accidentally favourable ground away before you hit <laughs> I for the, the amount of times I play favorable ground, I've fucked up with it so many times. <laughs> Obviously, using it before bleeds against you, so I couldn't bleed, so I lost my yeah. influence. That, in the last round of the favorite Swiss... thing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> in the last round of the Swiss of Poland, <laughs> I favorable grounded turn one, but forgot to trigger Moraxis beforehand. And I don't even know why I played Moraxis. I had other stuff I could have played that would have been much more useful, and then still used the favorable ground. So that was foolish at best. Uh, but it's been a long day. Yeah, I'm going to blame that, and a long night. Mm-hmm. More important. I, I heard about the Poland antics. Uh, you heard about them on the cast, didn't you? Yes. So so many antics. Strip club home. I must admit, I think that must be the first agenda we've done as a favorite card. I don't think we've done any of that. I don't think I, from the top of my head. Did you uh, not choose black sails for B? No, I um I think I chose Bail on Greyjoy or someone. Oh, okay. Or Bail or Black Tide. Um, or Bail or Black Tide. Or anyone. Um, a Greyjoy card that began with B. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> any any... Uh, did we well, did we say House of Dreams? Was yeah. that not no? I said I have I chosen a, Yeah, that was a we've had events. But I don't think we've had any uh, We've definitely had events. <laughs> definitely had events. And I think we've had some plots as well. But I don't think we've ever had an definitely agenda, Dave. So well done. That's the first agenda we've had. That is exciting. It is. So if Greg's listening, 222 is my favourite agenda. 
and should hope he is listening. <laughs>